greet each other because we're going to be hanging out for a while, some of us, um, doing some packing up. But if you're here as a visitor or guest, thank you so much for coming this morning. Great to have you here. For those who are connecting with us online, uh, welcome to you as well. And uh, today's a pretty big day for us as a church. We have been meeting here in this, uh, what we call the Steeple Center. Um, it was three years ago, um, this past Easter, that we started here. And this has been sort of an interim stop. And uh, today is the final day. This is when we're wrapping it up. And uh, so if you are available and you don't mind sweating just a little bit, uh, we're going to be packing up the contents of this building, putting it into the moving truck that's outside after the service, and moving over to our almost finished facility, which is really exciting. It's been a long time coming. And um, just to give you guys the, uh, the game plan for, for where we go from here, um, we're in a little bit of a fluid situation right now. What we do know is that we will not be meeting here next week. We will be meeting there next week. Um, where specifically is TBD? So um, in that building, some areas have a certificate of occupancy. This coming Friday, please keep this in prayer, we have our final inspection to get our final CO for the building. So we've already had a pre-final inspection. The building inspector came by, said, I want this, 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 and this, actually pages of stuff that uh, has been done. But now he's got to come back. The big thing is he's got to check the sprinkler system, which is a big deal. Um, and there is a possibility that he will approve us uh, next Friday and we can meet in the sanctuary. We're expecting or we're kind of planning that that won't happen. So uh, if that does not happen, we're going to have church in our commons area, which is a big, beautiful room that can accommodate all of us. And, um, and then we'll look forward to moving in the following Sunday. So it's a little bit of a fluid situation. Uh, Lakeview Community Church has been a fluid, flexible church from day one. Uh, if you are new here and you don't know our history, I'm going to get into that just a little bit this morning and talk about that. But you will, we have met everywhere from, um, we've actually met in the um, bleachers of a football field on Carmel, Carmel High School when they didn't open the doors for us one Sunday. Um, another Sunday, they didn't open the doors for us and we called everybody up grab your lawn chairs, we're meeting on the back courtyard of the, of the school. So we have, we've pretty much done it all. We even had a stint in the Carmel Movie Theater for a summer. Um, so it is a long, twisted history of this church for over the past 18 or so years. Uh, and great is God's faithfulness to see us through each and every step of the way. You know, we don't have a huge um, emotional attachment to this building, um, you know, the church that preceded us here did, uh, but I am so excited that we are going to be able to, uh, you know, see this church kind of transition it over to um, the Casa Severe, and uh, that's a sp Spanish church. It's going to be uh, purchasing this building from us, and uh, that's going to happen at some point. They're still waiting for some things to get, uh, to get worked out, um, but they are so excited. We are so excited. We're going to have this ongoing partnership for a long time. And uh, man, this God is good. And we're just going to continue to uh, just look to him to see, uh, to see where he's leading and what he's doing. All right. So let's pray. And then we're going to open up God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this good morning. And uh, Lord, for the chance once again to, um, 
to open up your word, Lord. We pray that you would um, open up our hearts, Lord, that you would guide and, and lead us. And uh, Lord, as a result of what we hear, may we do more than just learn some interesting information. Uh, Lord, our prayer is that your Holy Spirit would do that heart transformation in our lives, that we might be and reflect more of the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, I also want to uh, say thank you to Brian Pfeiffer for, for speaking last week. Didn't he do a great job? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I got to tell you, I, I don't think I've heard so many movie quotes in one sermon. Um, so he is, he, he is to movie quotes what I am to 80s music, I think. So um, really, really blessed and, uh, you know, looking forward um, in the next coming weeks to hear from some other people. And, uh, you know, we're going to hear, I believe it's going to be next week from someone who has never had a bad hair day. So that's just going to give you a little bit of an idea of who's, who's, on, who's, on, uh, who's on deck. Um, but this morning, I want to ask the question, what kind of church is set up to make a lasting kingdom impact? Um, how do we, together as God's people, set up our lives in such a way that, that we are aligned to make a difference, to make an impact. You know, um, the Holy Spirit, he works to pour this passion into his people, a passion that we understand that we are here for a reason that goes beyond just us. We're, we're here for something bigger and beyond just ourselves. We are people on mission, uh, Jesus' followers are people on mission, and the Christian life is, is a whole lot less about God making us cozy and comfortable, and it's a whole lot more about putting us in motion, um, living out our lives in a redemptive way that, that reflects God's kingdom priorities and, and, and living to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. We are God's, uh, the, 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 the spiritual body of Christ um, called to extend and continue the work that Jesus did when he was physically present on this earth. And, uh, and that means making Jesus known. It means embodying, expressing the gospel of grace. It means cultivating the fruit of the spirit and, uh, and being about the kind of things uh, that Jesus was about. And the question is how? We can understand what, but then it comes to the, the how question. How do we do that? How do we live out our lives that way? How do, we, how do we do church in that kind of way? If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to John chapter 15. Um, this is one of those passages where Jesus kind of lays out a blueprint, a blueprint for bearing fruit, kingdom fruit. It's a strategy for Christ followers to live out lives that, that make an impact and the strategy is really simple. It's, it's about being connected, about abiding. And so if you, uh, if you have your Bible and you want to open it up, I'm going to read it right here together, and it's also going to be uh, on our screen. It says this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for, my friend, for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus is, is sharing an illustration. He's using a metaphor. He's telling a story to help us comprehend a very profound reality about how the Christian life uh, gets lived. And he uses the analogy of a vineyard a vineyard that's planted and, and, and tended to. And, and the reason people plant vineyards and tend to them are not for their flowers, right? It's not so you can see these blossoms grow. It's, it's, it's for their fruit. They're, they're planted to produce. And, and Jesus makes it clear that the Father, who in this story is the vine dresser, that he's at work in our lives the same way a vine dresser is at work in his vineyard, with the same intended outcome in mind that our lives would produce fruit. And to do that, the first picture it's painted is this picture of God the Father with a saw in his hand. Right? That's not probably the first thing that comes to mind when we think of God our Father. He is doing here some strategic snipping in his vineyard. He, he cuts because he cares. Um, because God's ultimate outcome, it's, it's not to make our lives easy. It's, it's not to keep them safe and trouble-free. It's, it's that our lives would bear fruit and make a difference. And so as he looks around his vineyard, he sees that there are some dead things on that vine that, that have to go. In, in order to make space for what's alive to grow, the dead has to go. And, and, and there's, there's no life in these branches. Um, they aren't doing anything good, and they're just taking up room. And so the father steps in, and he cuts them out. Lifeless branches. They're attached to the vine but they're disconnected from life. And it's right there in the middle of the living branches. And, and we aren't going to dig in and try to figure out who exactly is it that, that Jesus might be referring to here. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think the point in this case is, is to not confuse being close to being connected with Christ, right? There's a difference between being close and being connected. There's a difference between attending church or, or being around God's people and, and going through religious ritual that there's no life in that, you know, if it's separated and not connected from a vital connection to the living Christ, right? So the Father's doing some cutting. He's not just cutting down. He's also cutting back. 
He says that every living branch that's bearing fruit, the vine dresser prunes back. Not just certain branches, every branch. And since those branches represent our lives, that means God is in the process of, of pruning us as well. He's pruning you. He's pruning me. And it may seem kind of counterintuitive to say that, right? Like, what is going on here? There's probably some really nice clusters of, of fruit growing from some of these branches. And, and you ask, why in the world would you ever cut that back, right? I, I'm not a farmer. Um, I don't have a vineyard. And I am definitely not an expert at gardening at all. But it says in this passage that there is a purpose to this pruning, he says he does it so that it may bear more fruit. That's the way God is at work in our lives. God is not work in your life right now simply based on what's going on in the current, right? He sees and he works with a mind to what could be and what will be in the future. So your life may be producing what seems like some good fruit right now. There may be a healthy harvest coming out of your life, and, and you may, for reasons that you don't understand, feel like, I've just been clipped back. I have been put from the front burner to the side burner for the season, and I didn't expect it. I don't know what's coming of it. Maybe it's because God intends that there would be a season ahead in your life through which you would bear even a greater harvest that your life would produce more fruit in a way that can only happen if it's pruned in the present. You know, this is the story of all of our lives. And um, for myself, this is the story, early story of how um, my journey went for starting this church. Uh, we started it some 18, 20 years ago or so, depending on when you pick the starting date. But uh, my intention, my focus, my heart was on building a church. I was all about building a church. I want to build this new church, and I want to reach out to Putnam County and beyond. I was so on fire for that. And I came to find out that God's agenda was not to build a church. It was to build a pastor. And that was a process that took several years, several painful years of just hammering out stuff in me that needed to go so that good stuff could continue to grow. He's still doing that. He's doing that not only in my life, he's doing it in all of our lives. We are the branches. God is the vine dresser. And the kind of work that he is committed to doing in our lives is so that we would bear the greatest harvest possible. And being pruned back, let's face it, it's not fun. But we can trust that it is ultimately always good. It is always good. God is working in our lives in ways that may involve some short-term pain, but it's always for the sake of long-term gain. He's not just looking at the now. He's looking at what's next, and what's next is, is good. Um, so here's the question as we look at this, as we see um, what God's agenda is for our lives it challenges us to look in the mirror and ask ourselves and take stock of our lives and say, does God's agenda for my life line up with my agenda for my life? 
Because if there's a disconnect, there is going to be a problem. God is going to be working against you, and you're going to be at odds, right? Because his agenda is ultimately to reshape us, to bear fruit, to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's not to just make our lives trouble-free. It's not to get us the stuff that we want. It's not to do what we want according to our time frame. And it's not to make us comfortable. And so there has to be an alignment of agendas. And the way that we align our lives around God's agenda, it's simple. And it's spelled out here. Abide in Christ. Stay connected to the vine. That's that's our part. So, so we've already looked at God's part. He's the one who does the cutting. He does the one that does the pruning. We don't have to do that. That's his responsibility. Our call is to just simply stay connected to the vine. And who, in this illustration, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the vine. Uh, it's something that Jesus is always doing. He's always making it all about himself, all about himself, that what it is that we need is ultimately found through our lives being connected to him. He puts himself right in the center of things. There's all of these I am statements. Uh, I am the bread. I am the way. And, and, and it's not just that he says that, uh, you know, I've got the vine and I can give you the vine. He says, I am the vine. I am the life source that you can be tapped into to find what it is that your life is really looking for. It can't be found anywhere else. This kind of life that we were created for, the kind of life that's connected to our creator, the source of that is found in Jesus. Now, now, I don't have to tell you that's an incredibly bold and audacious statement to say. That is something that you would never hear me say about myself, right? Or if you did hear me say something like that about myself, I hope that you would stand up and run out these doors because that is not me. That's actually a statement that no religious leader of any of the major world religions would ever even say about themselves, they may something something like, we have the vine, and you can follow this vine. Here it is. But none of them say, I am the vine. I am the way. Um, but Jesus is always saying that it's me. It's not like some kind of impersonal, detached thing that's separate from me. It's not outside of him. He is eternal life. And there is no eternal life found outside of that connection uh, to him. And so the harvest, the kind of harvest that God is, is working to produce in the lives of his people, in this, his church, it's the byproduct, it's the outcome, it's the outworking of being connected to Christ, abiding in him, which in that passage just shows up again and again and again. The branches can only get nourished if they're connected to the vine. Or if we were to take this illustration, and I think it's accurate to put it in more 21st century terms, stay plugged in, right? Stay plugged in. If you have a lamp, a lamp that's got a really nice bulb on it, a lamp that can create a whole lot of light, but if it's not plugged into the power source, what is it? It's like a decoration. It's a useless decoration. And so our main priority always has been 
always will be to remain, to abide in Christ, to stay connected. We don't stay connected to a cause. We stay connected to Christ himself in a vital relationship. And, and the thing is, is that if we skip that step and we try to move on in the Christian walk, it, we, we miss it all. There is no way to live this life uh, to align our lives around God's agenda if we are not abiding in Christ. He says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and that's, a, that's a challenging statement. You know, there is a, there's honestly, there's a part of me that pushes back on that. Oh, yeah, you want to bet? I can do some stuff. You know, I may not be able to do everything, but I can do a pretty good amount of my own. You know, I studied Greek when I got my Master's of Divinity, and so this was one of those passages where I wanted to look and see exactly what does the Greek say in this, because I must be missing something. And I studied the Greek in this passage, and I came out fascinated that this is what this verse actually means. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It means in Greek exactly what it reads in English. Without him, we can do nothing. Nothing that matters. Nothing that lasts. That is the truth. That is the reality. The challenge is to, for me at least, is to have the humility to understand that. Because if I really get that, that will draw me closer to Christ. See, stories of kingdom impact... They're always written in the context of that abiding relationship that gets cultivated between Jesus and his people. And so here's the question. Is there anything that's more urgent in any of our lives than attending to that, than maintaining that friendship, right? Not, not a cause, not to uh, a creed, but to the person of Christ. What is it in our minds that we are so sure is more urgent, more critical, of greater importance than that abiding relationship with Christ? Whatever it is, that's the root of deception. And it's there in my life all the time. So many things battle for that first place. And this, this may be the primary battle we're called to fight, to keep Christ front and center in our lives and in our church and not push him aside for the sake of doing ministry, for the sake of doing good things, for the sake of even church community. It's Christ first. And when we get that, we don't just assume Christ. We, we attend to that relationship, carve out space daily, set it aside to spend time with him to spend time in his word, in prayer. You know, we are, we are not a legalistic church. Lakeview Community Church is not the kind of place where you go and I'm, you're going to hear me say, you've got to do this, 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 and this, or else you're in trouble. But what I will say is that in each of our lives, we're different people. We have different kinds of uh, ways of going, doing about things and building our schedule. But each of us, we need some kind of what I would call rule of life. 
some kind of rule of life, some kind of structure to our schedules that says, this is the flow of my life, and here is how God fits in first, right? I'm not going to tell you that you've got to take mine. You don't, I don't have to take yours, and we're not going to presume that on each other, but we do need to prioritize that for ourselves. That's that's how Jesus gets first. That's how we stay connected. That's how mission gets accomplished. Abiding in Christ. And this is another reminder of this, uh, this entire passage is that, that, that God isn't looking for celebrities to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't need an all-star cast, right? He He has got that part of extraordinary covered. That's his job, right? The way that I've said it before is that the role of rock star has already been filled. It's not you. It's not me. It's him. And if we understand that, if we really grasp that, it may sound like a little bit negative, but it's not. It's liberating. It's incredibly liberating because we understand that our... Our part is just, all we got to do is stay close to Christ. That's all it's about. Just stay close. We can, we can be free to be who we are. We can be ordinary people because there is an extraordinary God who is at work in our midst amongst us. That's, that's been the motto of our church since day one. Ordinary people, extraordinary God. The Father is working at a, in us and we abide in Christ, and the harvest happens. The harvest, it says, is walking in obedience to him. It's, it's seeing prayers answered, and a big part of that harvest happening, it takes place in the context of community. Jesus says that to abide in him is to get wrapped up in this in this divine connection between the love of him and the love of the Father, and we get wrapped up in that, and, and then we carry that into the relationships that we have with each other. It says, love one another as I have loved you. That's, that's what supernatural community looks like, and uh, it's what we call church community, right? We're learning We do it imperfectly, but we're learning how to love one another with Jesus' love. Not with our own limited love, but with Jesus' love and the love that he loves us with. He says, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. He set the tone for the sacrificial love, the kind of love that led him to the cross to die a death that he didn't deserve to pay a price he didn't owed he didn't owe for us and as we're plugged into him as we let his love flow not only to us but also through us to those around us as well that's God's blueprint that's what he wants to see and and I've seen that kind of love in this place I think that is one of the trademarks of our church so many times, so many ways. It's the people of this church. This is who we are. It's who we're about. We pray every Sunday that there would just be a sense of the love of God evident, that it be in the air, 
as people walk into this room, ordinary people learning how to do life with an extraordinary God who's pouring that love out into our lives, and we're pouring it out to each other. You know, today, it's a bit of a milestone moment for our church, and uh, we started out, whatever I said, 18 years ago, 20 years ago, we started out in our living room, in our home. We, we moved from there to the annex hall of a church. We went from there to a VFW hall, where you could still smell the beer from the night before, fresh on the floors. And uh, after that, we made a pretty permanent move to Casey Hall and Carmel High School. We met there for like 16 years or so. And, uh, you know, there were some downsides. Diane was saying this morning, that seems like ages ago. But it was only three years ago that we were there, three and a half years ago. Um, But, uh, you know, there were some downsides to not having a church building, not having a facility. But I got to tell you, I am so thankful for that time because a lot of the DNA of our church got set during that time. And, and one, of the, one of the things that we always said back then is that church is not about the place, it's about the people, right? It's not about the building, it's about the body. And because we didn't have the distraction early on of having to deal with facilities, we were able to dig in and build up a body and there's something special about that dynamic that's, that's grown. The community that we enjoy here today, we don't do everything right. We got a lot of places to grow in for sure. But you know what? We know how to serve and we know how to love. And those are two really good ingredients for a church. You know, when you're meeting in a school as a church and you show up, welcome to Lakeview Community Church. Can you help out with this? Right? That's kind of the way it went. There was just a lot to do, setting up, tearing down on a regular basis. Um, so here we are. God has been gracious in so many ways. Um, and we are approaching a new chapter. Do you know that it's been nine years since we were given, almost nine years since we were given this property. So, so here's, a, here, here's, a, here's a quick history lesson for you guys who may or may not have been with us for a long time. Uh, We've never bought a property. We never purchased the property. Um, We were given the place that we're about to move into, and we were also given this place, uh, which is really ridiculous. (laughs) There's no other explanation for it. It's just like you look at that and you say, this is ridiculous. Um, And uh, I actually have this, uh, I have this email. I want to read just a little bit of you. When um, when, this was, when we were first going to be given that property there, I, I, I sent an email to our district superintendent, Bruce, and uh, told him kind of what was going on here. Um, and uh, so this is from November 16th, 2011. I says, uh, um, over the past three weeks, I've been receiving uh, unexpected offers for permanent locations for our church. Uh, One from a local businessman, Carl Dill, who contacted me three days ago. Uh, Carl Dill owned a chain of lumberyard carpentry stores called Dill's Best. They had locations throughout the Putnam area. Started closing them down about four years ago after Home Depot and Lowe's dominated the scene. Back then, I inquired about the possibility of purchasing their Karma location. I spoke with Carl three or four times, but at that time he was asking $2.5 million for his property and it was at the height of the real estate boom. 
Fast forward several years later, Carl called me this past Monday night after searching out our church on the internet. He confirmed that we had spoken previously, that we were still meeting in the high school, and that we had yet to find a permanent location. I confirmed that, and he said he asked if he and his wife could meet, being that he was looking to be finished with his Carmel property. So Diane and I met with Carl and his wife Josephine for lunch today. After giving them some background on ourselves and our ministry vision, he explained that he has been paying $1,000 a week in taxes on the property, and that the current tenant would be closing their shop after Christmas, and that he is also holding the mortgage for another location in Mayapak that's to be paid off in 2012. And being that he will, that will be a significant amount of money, um, that he's looking for a way to, to get out of paying the taxes on that. So his summary was that, number one, he doesn't need the money, but number two, he would like to stop paying $1,000 a week in taxes, and number three, would like a tax write-off in 2012, which motivates him to offer this property to us for, next, for nothing or next to nothing. I had no idea what we were getting at at that time. Uh, he and his wife want us to have it, he said he isn't ready to give the property away yet, but his motivation at this point is for the property to be off his hands, and knowing that a church can possibly not afford a big mortgage, he and his wife are ready to structure this as a donation. They took us to the property and showed us around. The location is fantastic, and the building is massive and would need... <laughs> I wrote some renovation. <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> to be ready for a full-time facility. But the visibility, the potential for ministry expansion, and community outreach is fantastic. The reality that we were sought out and sat down by one of Putnam County's most prominent businessmen, that he was talking about almost handing over a property that's worth over a million dollars, is something I have no words for. We have been locked onto the, the mandate of building the body of Christ at Lakeview Community Church for the past several years. Confident that at the right time, would come into focus and build a facility. I can only conclude that God may be in the process of answering a prayer that our church has been praying for over the past five years and that this has the potential to launch us to a new level of ministry impact in our community for Christ. Um, and then it goes on to say some other things. And uh, that was the very first uh, seed of this may becoming a possibility. And, uh, you know, here we are, Almost nine years later, uh, so many surprises along the way. Um, I will tell you that I am trying really hard to be excited about this, but there is also a part of me that I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so I'm, I am still in process of moving from exhausted to exciting. A lot of that has to do with just uh, doing a construction project over the course of COVID is really, it's really been tough. It's really been tough. But we'll, we're going to be okay. It's all going to be good. But here's the point is that, you know what? Facilities are great as long as they facilitate, right? They are not the end in themselves. They're a means to an end. And the end is that we're doing what God has called us to do, that we are bearing the fruit that he has called us to bear, that we are about the things that Christ wants us to be. And that happens as we're staying connected to Christ, abiding and availing ourselves to what God is doing and partnering with him on mission. Let's pray together.